everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon about someone in the Bible who was isolated, kind of like we are now. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for listening. Our sermons have been listened to almost 20,000 times since last July 1st. That is a staggering number, and it's a number that represents a lot of people hearing biblical teaching and the gospel story. This only happens by people like you listening faithfully, but also leaving ratings and reviews and sharing with their friends. And so from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I appreciate you being with us each week, and I appreciate you helping us take the message of Jesus and the story of the Bible further to more people. So once again, thank you. I hope that this sermon will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. Good morning, everybody. I am Chad, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Welcome to my garage office. Today is our fifth installment of a series of sermons that I'm preaching on people who are isolated in the Bible. And and maybe for me, this is the most inspiring of all the stories. Uh, Just a quick note on on preaching schedule. Next week will be the last sermon in this sermon series, and Dr. Charles Canary will be preaching that sermon for us. And in that sermon, he's going to look at John and the book of Revelation on the island of Patmos. And John is there for a long time. But in the story we'll look at today, the people, Paul and Silas, that are isolated, are only isolated for a, a, a little bit of time, a short time. But man, the way that they use that short time of isolation should compel us to respond in a more God-focused and God-driven way to the time that we have left uh, in isolation. And, and today, uh, we're going to see these two men, Paul and Silas, as they're thrown into jail. But it's uh, a little bit important to, to know why they end up in jail. Some of it will connect to uh, what we see at the end of the story today. But before I tell you why they end up in jail, I, I want to say something that I've said every week except for last week. I forgot last week in this sermon series. And that is the reason that Paul and Silas are in jail in this story is not the same as why we are isolated currently. I don't want anybody to think that in this series I'm making judgments about the isolation that we are are currently in. I, I want you to know that this series of sermons is about how people responded to isolation and then what God did through the isolation. It is not about how they ended up in the isolation, but... Uh, before, uh, but with that in mind, I want to just say that, 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 that it is important, like I said, to set this sermon up, this story that we're going to look at today with the reason that Paul and Silas get thrown into jail. They are, they are walking around the city and there's this female slave and this female slave has the ability to predict the future. That's what the Bible tells us. And uh, because of this, she makes good money for her slave owners. And she kind of latches on to Paul and Silas as they're trying to do ministry. And, and she begins to follow them around and, and, and say this thing that we read in Acts 16, 17. These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. I want you to just 
keep that last phrase in your head, who are telling you the way to be saved. And so after many days of this, you can see that that would be annoying after many days. After many days of this, Paul turns around and in Acts 16, 18, he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And the spirit that is giving her the ability to predict the future comes out of her. That seems like a really good thing, except for her slave owners don't see it that way. They're mad because they now know that she's no longer going to be able to make them the money that that she has been making them. And so these these people drag Paul and Silas into some of this uh, in front of some of the city officials and some of the in front of the, some of the city leaders and and then they uh, have them stripped and and beaten and flogged. And that's where we pick up our story in Acts 16:24. When he received these orders talking about the jailer, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. And so they've been beaten, uh, beaten, they've been They've been flogged, and now this jailer who's put in charge of them takes them and he puts them in the inner cell and fastens their feet in the stocks. This is, this is deep and utter isolation. Uh, Robertson's word pictures of the New Testament says this, the Roman public prisons had a vestibule and outer prison, and behind this, the inner prison, a veritable dungeon with no light or air save what came through the door when opened. The inner cell was not a good place. It was a place for the hardened criminals. It was a place where there, uh, I read this many years ago, there would, have been, there would have been poop on the ground because nobody was going in there to clean it. It would have been dark and it would have been scary. It would have been all of these things. And then on top of that, on top of being placed in this terrible place of isolation, Paul and Silas are put in the stocks, which is is to say they're put in these wood and metal contraptions that go around your ankles and then spread your legs out. They were meant to be both a, an object of confinement, but also an object of torture. And so just, I mean, just consider the isolation that Paul and Silas are facing in the inner cell, fastened in these stocks, this instrument of torture, having been beaten and flogged already. That's, that's really bad. And I just would ask this question. I think it's so important. Uh, how would you respond? How would I respond? How would you respond to this isolation after being tortured and beaten and, uh, you know, put in this terrible, terrible place? How, how, would you, how would you respond? And now with that in mind, how you would respond, listen to how Paul and Silas respond in Acts 16.25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Ben Witherington III says, Whatever the exigencies of their confinement, Paul and Silas did not allow them to dictate how they would respond to the circumstances. They did not allow... They did not allow all of the difficulties, all the things surrounding this time of isolation to dictate how they responded to their current situation, their current circumstance in isolation. And what do they do? You heard it. They, they start praying and singing. The word for sing in, uh, is a Greek word that is used at the end of of the Lord's Supper and that the story of the Lord's Supper in the Bible, uh, the reason that we celebrate communion, it's used at the end of that in Matthew 26, 30, it says when they had 
sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. At the Lord's Supper, it was a Passover meal, and they would have, they would have sung and, and, and recited Psalms 113.1 through 118.29, and most devout Jews would have known these things. And so we can assume that as Paul and Silas are in prison singing, they're at least partially singing these psalms, but they're singing, they're praying, and they're singing to God. One author said it was prayer that, that just kind of moved into, into praise, into singing, because, it was, because they, they were moved by the Spirit as they prayed. I, I love this incredible idea. Here they are in isolation, in the dark, smelly, dangerous inner cell, hurting, and what do they do? They pray and they sing. They pray and they sing. I hope that you've been in, in prayer during this time of isolation, but if you haven't, now's a great time to start. I think I said this earlier in this series, but man, uh, it, it was difficult. I've said this to a lot of people in, in the early weeks of this, this whole deal that we are facing with COVID-19 and being stuck at home. It, it was hard to find time to be with God. It was hard to, to find time that was distractionless to be with God and to interact with Him through prayer. Uh, but none of those are good excuses. Uh, we, need to, we need to be people of prayer even when it's hard because I'm sure, man, there were so many excuses that Paul and Silas could have made here. Uh, I mean... Uh, they could have made a million excuses. They could have been shouting for their freedom. They could have been saying why they didn't deserve to be there. They could have been whining about their situation. They could have been, you know, sitting there quietly, just just frustrated and angry, but, but they find it in themselves to pray. And we should find it in ourselves to pray, even in the midst of isolation. But I would add to that, and this is something that, uh, if you've been around a long time, maybe you know this about me, but I'm, I'm, I'm a big advocate of the importance of singing to God, not just when we come to church, but, but on our own in our private devotions. And the church world, we always talk about reading the Bible and praying more, but there's this theme that emerges as you read through scripture, especially in the book of Psalms, but other places, and that is that, that individuals sing to God. Faithful, God-loving people, they sing to God even on their own. It's something that I've added to my own devotions. I'm not as consistent with it as I would like to be, but, but I've added it in because of my study of, of God's Word, the Bible, and I, I, I found value in singing to God on my own. We live in a time when this is maybe easier than ever, you know, if you go back uh, in time, you would have to uh, maybe just sing a cappella or learn to play the guitar. But now you can put on your, your favorite worship music and, and you can just sing along with it and worship God through song. I'll tell you, when you sing, it, there's a couple of reasons that I, I personally have found value in singing in my private devotion. Uh, first is that I think it helps us emotionally, music does this, emotionally connect to connect with what our hearts are trying to say in prayer. Uh, music kind of ties the emotional part of, uh, brings in the emotional part that maybe is lacking when we pray. Another thing that I love about singing is that, that sometimes when I can't find the words to pray, song will give me those words. Somebody at some point has been spirit-led to write a worship song and, and their words now become, become the prayer of my heart and I'm able, I'm able to, to sing sometimes when I don't even really 
know what to pray. And so, man, I hope that you will that you will pray as you're stuck at home in isolation, but I also I also hope that you'll find it in you to to, to find time to go into a closet, maybe literally into a bathroom, whatever it takes, and to to lift your voice to God in song. I, I think that you'll find real value in doing that. And, and that is exactly what Paul and Silas do as they set an example for us of how to deal with isolation. But there's this, this other little phrase that, man, we cannot overlook. It says that they were praying and singing and people were listening to them. People were listening to them. I think as Christians, we have a a unique opportunity right now. I think the world is the world is frustrated, the world is scared, the world uh, is isolated like we are and they're, they're, you know, lots of people are doing that without the hope of, and help of God in their lives. And, and, and as Christians, uh, I think that, that right now, maybe more than ever, people are listening to us. Maybe it's being done through social media, but people are listening to us. And I would ask a second question this morning. I would ask this question. If people are listening to you right now, what are they hearing? What are they hearing? Because when these fellow prisoners, these people in jail with Paul and Silas were listening to them, I guarantee they were hearing about the goodness and the greatness of the God we serve. I guarantee they were hearing Paul and Silas declare loudly and proudly how amazing God was because of who he is and what he had done by sending Jesus to come and die for their sins. So what are people hearing if they're listening to you? What are people hearing when they're reading your posts? What are people hearing when they call you on the phone? Is it, is it just complaining? Is it ju- do, you, do you sound just like everybody else? Or are you, through your voice, through your posts, through your words, are you declaring the goodness and the greatness of God in the midst of isolation? I just, I think this is such an important little phrase. The people were listening, the people were listening, and I think people are listening to you right now if you're a Christian. And I hope that they are hearing about the goodness and the greatness of God. The story continues in Acts 16, 26 through 28. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Now, the reason this guy's going to kill himself is because of the society that he lived in. And the society he lived in, one very much driven by shame and honor, it would have been punishable by, by both beating and humiliation for him to have lost a prisoner. It may have even resulted in him being executed. I, I read one source that said that, that losing a prisoner was punishable by whatever the punishment was going to be for that prisoner. So imagine earthquake, walls go down, everything, everybody escapes, right? I mean, 
this is a lost cause. And not only is it a lost cause as far as your punishment goes, but, but you're going to bring shame on yourself and on your family. And so in his world, and obviously I do not believe this or think this is right, but in his world, the honorable thing to do is to commit suicide. I'm so glad that Christianity has helped us to value life more than that. But, but that's what his plan is because he thinks that all of these prisoners have, have escaped. But there is Paul saying, don't harm yourself. We are all here. <laughs> the doors are all broken down and, and now Paul and Silas have the opportunity to leave to flee isolation, but they don't. Instead, they stay and they save both physically and spiritually the life of this jailer. The commentary critical and explanatory on the whole Bible says no elation, talking about Paul and Silas, no elation at their miraculous liberation or haste to take advantage of it, but one thought filled the apostles' mind at that moment. Anxiety to wave a fellow creature from sending himself into eternity, ignorant of the only way of life. Paul is focused on saving this man, not fleeing from isolation. Paul is focused on saving this man, not fleeing from isolation. Listen to what happens next. Acts 16, 29 through 31. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your whole household. Paul is focused on ministry more than he is focused on on improving his circumstances. And man, I hope that for all of us, we are more focused on the ministry that we can do during this time than we are on improving our own circumstances. Don't hear me wrong. We all want our circumstances to be improved. I wanna, I wanna be able to go back to doing life in a normal way. I wanna be able to eat at a restaurant. I wanna be able to have my kids play at the park. I wanna be able to have my kids go to the library. I wanna be able to have my kids go out of the house. I want, I want to get back to doing church in a normal way. I want to get back to being with you at church. I want all these things. And, and I think that we can talk about when that will come and how that will happen. I, I don't think that's bad. But at the same time, we should follow the example of Paul and not just in this situation, but, but you know his entire ministry and say, I want to save people for eternity more than I want to improve my circumstance. Listen to Philippians 1, 12 through 14. Paul says this, now, this is Paul writing, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard, again, he's in jail, throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. I was like, I don't want you to be sad that I'm stuck in jail and in chains because, because all these people who are guarding me, they now know why. They know the hope of the gospel. They know the story of Jesus. And, and beyond that, other people that are Christians are now more... Uh, more courageous in sharing the story of Jesus. Paul is like, I I'm not worried about my circumstance. I'm worried about the ministry that God has called me to. 
after our story and a part that we won't look at today, if you just continue on in Acts 16, this crazy thing happens. They they are released or they're told that they can be released, Paul and Silas. And, and Paul says, no, 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 no. You illegally punished a Roman citizen. He was a Roman citizen and he wasn't supposed to be beaten without a trial. You illegally punished a Roman citizen. And he says, you go get those officials who said we can go free and you have them come down here. And it was a missionary move. I mean, Paul stays in jail. He stays in isolation in order that he can share the gospel with more people and with people that have power. Paul sees his time in isolation as an opportunity to be a witness to the truth of the gospel story, the story of Jesus, death and resurrection for the salvation of sin. And I would just look at you today and say, I hope that each and every one of you are seeing this as an opportunity to be a witness. Do we want this time of isolation, being stuck at home to end? Absolutely. But when we're stuck in isolation, when we're in isolation, we should see it as an opportunity to share the gospel. And our focus over and above improving our situation should be sharing the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection with others so that maybe, just maybe, they might be saved like the jailer in this story. Listen to Acts 16, 29 through 31. Uh, Excuse me, I read that. Acts 16, 32 through 34. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Uh, They spoke the word of the Lord to him. That probably means that they explained the gospel story more fully. And and it just reminded me as I read that of 1 Peter 3.15. I think this is important for all of us. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Two things to point out there. First of all, uh, Peter puts forth this idea that people will, will ask us why we have the hope that we have. What an opportunity we have right now. What an opportunity to demonstrate and show people that we have a hope that they do not have so that they might ask us why we have the hope that we have. I mean, as Christians, we have an incredible hope, right? Like uh, we've talked about this in the series. We don't believe that we are alone. We know that God is working all of this for our good. We know ultimately that we will end up in heaven where there will be no more isolation like the one that we are facing now. No more sickness, no more death, no more tears, no more pain, all those things. We have incredible hope hope and we should be living in such a way right now even as we're stuck at home that demonstrates to the world that we have hope that we have hope because we do but also when people ask us about it we should be ready to give an answer here's paul and silas i mean man they they don't have a sermon prepared this isn't like they're going to the synagogue and and preaching to everybody i mean they're in jail earthquake it's crazy right walls fall down jailer about to kill himself they stop it he becomes a christian and then they're able to explain the gospel to him i would just say be ready be ready Uh, learn grow in your understanding of what it means to be a christian so that you can share share it with other people when the opportunity 
presents itself. And, and then they baptize him. What a cool thing. And then it says, I love this, he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. There's two things that I want to say about that. First, uh, I, I would just say that aren't there so many people we want that for? I mean, uh, we think a lot and, and pray a lot and talk about a lot, leading other people into a relationship with Christ. Uh, but maybe one of the things we forget when we talk about that is, is how much joy that will bring them. Maybe one of the reasons you don't share your faith with other people is that you forget how much joy our faith can bring to us because of some of the things I've already said and, and so many other things. If you're not a Christian, I would just say to you that that this faith that I've come to has brought me incredible joy. Does that mean that I never have a bad day, that sometimes I, uh, that I never get sad, that, you know, that life is perfect and easy and all this thing? No, 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 no. It's not, it's not that. What, what I have because of my faith, because of becoming a Christian is, is joy despite the circumstances. And I would even say sometimes joy despite sadness and joy despite struggle and joy despite, you know, stress and all those things. Because, because I recognize that, that what I face in this world is superseded by the incredible gifts that Jesus has given me. Let me just tell the story. I've said it, I've alluded to it a couple of times, but, but what I believe is, as a Christian, what I believe, what I came to, the faith that I'm talking about is, is that God looked down from heaven, saw that I and the rest of the world were sinners. We had done things that God did not want. And so God came from heaven to earth in the person of Jesus. Jesus lived sinlessly. And at the end of that sinless life, he died on a cross. And while he hung on that cross, God, God allowed for, for all the the punishment of our sin, the weight of hell to be just laid upon his body. And, and Jesus died there on that cross. And then three days later, he came back to life. And, and man, and, and then God just, he just sends his spirit and invites us to enter into a relationship with him by saying, I believe that Jesus died for my sin. I believe that he came back from the dead and, and I will give my life to him. I will become his follower. And, and when I did that, uh, at least when I got, uh, you know, at four years old, I decided to become a Christian. But at 17, when I, when I really decided to follow Jesus, man, it brought me the most incredible joy to know that my sins were forgiven, to know that I had peace with God, to know that I could look forward to eternity, to know that, that I had been loved so much by the creator of the universe. It's brought me joy by, by, by making relationships better, by giving me a new identity that is not one of failure and fear, but one of... of uh, of power and uh, and in the spirit uh, able to move forward and I, I just I have incredible joy because of my relationship with Jesus and and I hope and I want you to have it too I would I would just ask that you would consider giving your life to Jesus this morning I hope that Jesus will whisper in your ear that the spirit of God would whisper in your ear and say, come to me and that you would not reject that, you would not flee that, but you would say, I'll follow you because I believe if you will, you like this jailer will be filled with incredible joy. But the other part of this is, is for you who are Christians. Some of you don't seem very joyful lately and I know that circumstances suck right now. I get it. It's really hard. I, I have not been a bundle of joy during this whole thing, but but I think it's important that that we kind of follow the example of Paul and Silas. I mean, Paul in the book of Philippians is is all about joy, and he's stuck in jail there too. And I just would hope that we would remember all of the things that we have in Christ, 
and we would allow for it to fill us up in joy. One idea that God has been putting in my head a lot lately is, is the idea of focusing on heavenly things and not earthly things. That's, a, that's a, something that's stated more than once in different ways in the New Testament, being focused on heavenly things and not earthly things. And I think what happens for Christians is that we become focused on earthly things just like everybody else, and then, and then our joy is diminished. Our joy goes down. But when we focus on heavenly things, the goodness of God, the gospel story, the, the future that we have in heaven, all that God has done for us and is doing for us, all the things that we've seen in this series, then our, then our joy can go up. Then we can be joyful despite the circumstances that we, that we face. I would just say to you right now, if you're not, if you're not feeling joyful, are you focused on your circumstances or are you focused on on God. Because Paul seems to be a man, and, and Silas too, based on this story, who has joy because he focuses on God over and above his circumstances to the point that, that even in the midst of a stinky, scary, dark jail, he prays and he sings and he witnesses to others. So here's, here's my challenge for you. I think what this all boils down to is that that these men, Paul and Silas, in the midst of their isolation, decided that their relationship with God, their relationship with God, their ministry, the things that God had called them to do were more important than, than whining about the situation they were facing, than getting out of jail, than uh, focusing on all the negative. And, and, and I hope that, that you would follow suit. I hope that that your eyes would be turned to heaven, that, that right now as you're at home and your kids are screaming and maybe literally right now your kids are screaming and you know, maybe you're struggling to be with your spouse and maybe you're just, just frustrated with all that's going on and how we can't get back to work. A lot of you, I know that's, you can't get back to work. All these things that you're frustrated about. But I would say, if you're a Christian, turn your attention to Jesus Pray to him, sing to him, and do your best to be a witness for him. Let me pray that you'll do that. Lord, I, I just, I know how frustrating this time is. And, and it's sad, God, there's so much, there's death and struggle uh, all around us. We read about it all the time. I've said that in this series already. I mean, get a death count, you know, all the time, God. Uh, and that makes it really hard to, to want to, I think, God, pray and to celebrate you through song and to be a witness for you. But I, but I pray, God, that we who are Christians would remember how good and how great you are and that we would be drawn, God, to focus on heavenly things. And as we do that, we would pray and sing and witness. God, for those who aren't Christians right now that are watching this, I pray that you would draw them to you that your still, small voice would say, you need me, and God, they would know it's true. And I pray, God, that whatever is distracting them, whatever, whatever excuses they have, whatever fears they have about giving their lives to you, God, that, that your voice would, would compel them to, to leave all of those things behind and they would give themselves to you, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would be people who pray, sing, and witness in the midst of isolation. And I ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, if God's impacted you through these words today, uh, I hope that, 
that you would commit to him. I think that what happens oftentimes when we hear a sermon, I've been guilty of this, is we say, yeah, great idea. I should pray more. I should sing more. You know, there's that person I should have witnessed to. And then, and then we go away and we never really do anything with it. Um, sermons aren't important because they, they excite you. They aren't important because they give you good ideas. They're, they're only important if you make a commitment to do something with what God says to you through them. And so if God is, is, is impacting you right now, I hope that you know even at home that you would bow your head and you would make a commitment to God and say, God, I'll, I'll pray more, I'll sing more, I'll witness, whatever it might be. Uh, oftentimes the, the greatest things God whispers in people's ears through my sermons are things that I didn't say at all. But whatever it might be, I hope you'd commit to it. And if you do, please let us know by going to I just forgot, creekside.me slash respond. Please let us know by going to creekside.me slash respond. We would love to know how God's used my sermon and this service to impact you today. We'd love to be able to pray for you and, and talk to you and help you in any way that we can.